This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This episode contains descriptions of self-harm and suicide. On March 26, 2007, the Hong Kong police received news of a drowning. Someone had thrown himself into the sea from the Jim Sa Zoi ferry pier. Two hours later, the body of a 68-year-old man was recovered. The man was a Chinese national named Yang Qingji, a retired teacher from the city of Lanzhou, located in Gansu province in China. In his death, he left behind a long, 3,000-word letter addressed to one of the biggest stars in Chinese cinema, Andy Lau. In it, he wrote, Andy Lau, your heart is black. You have no conscience. You are worse than a dog. He blamed Lau for his suicide, which he called an act of protest, and demanded that Lau meet his daughter or he shall never rest in peace. What exactly had world-famous film star Andy Lau done to incur such wrath from a humble schoolteacher in China? The story of Yang Qingji and his daughter, at the time an unemployed 29-year-old named Yang Lijun, revealed a shocking tale that the media could not get enough of. A man so devoted to fulfilling his child's dreams of meeting her idol Andy Lau that he burnt through his savings, he bankrupted his family, and eventually took his own life. Welcome to Can I Tell You Something Crazy, a series presented by Pop Vouchers re-examining events that shook Asian media and entertainment with fresh eyes. After my previous episode on TVXQ, one of my podcast producers suggested that I do an episode on sussing fans, which means obsessive fans who engage in harmful behaviour in their pursuit of their favourite idols. After seeing recent news about toxic fan behaviour, including a fan who physically grabbed Jackson Wong to prevent him from getting into his car, and a stalker who took photos of Thai actress Freen in her home, I thought it would be timely to do an episode on Yang Li Jun. Because this isn't just a story on one of the most extreme and tragic examples of what celebrity obsession can lead to. It is also a story of misogyny, of mental health, and of the incredible power media yields and the incredible damage it inflicts. So, can I tell you something crazy? Yang Li Jun was born in 1978 to school teacher Yang Qingji and his wife, homemaker Tao Juying, in Gansu province, one of the poorest provinces in China. Little is known about her early life, but at the point of her birth, the elder Yang was already close to 40, while Tao was in her 20s. In the 1970s, people generally got married early and had children early. So having one's first child at 40 was, and still is, considered quite late. And perhaps because of that, Yang Qingji doted on his daughter very, very much. He reportedly gave into her whims and fancies and always tried to satisfy her wants, to a degree that many would consider problematic, as we would later see in this story. Yang Lijun, as far as we know, led a fairly normal life up until junior high. She was, according to various reports, a good student, she had friends, and she was even a prefect in school. But everything changed in 1994 when she was 14. 
There are differing reports about how Yang Lijun came to be obsessed with Andy Lau. And I'm basing part of this episode on interviews she and her family did with the Lanzhou Morning Post, Lanzhou Chenbao in March 2006, and a Beijing Morning Post, Beijing Chenbao interview in 2006 as well, when she was still speaking under the pseudonym Ling Jun. It should be noted that there is a possibility that some of these details I'm about to share are not fully true because there are inconsistencies between various reports of hers. And there is also a possibility of the story being exaggerated or sensationalised either by the media or by Yang's family themselves. But as I said, everything began reportedly in February of 1994 when she had a dream about Andy Lau. In her dream, she was in a house with a big framed photo of Andy Lau. And two rows of words were on the side. It says, Which means something along the lines of, Come close to me, let's have a meeting of destiny. Now this strange dream, which continued to persist for years on end, made Yang Lijun feel that she and Lao are tied together by fate in some way. And for context, in 1994, Andy Lau was already extremely famous. It was about 10 years after he had played the lead Yang Guo in The Return of the Condor Heroes, Shen Diao Xia Lu. This is the TVB adaptation, which, on a side note, is original novel author Louis Cha Jing Yong's favourite of the many, many adaptations of this book. But being in his early 30s in 1994, Andy Lau was still considered young enough to be a teen idol of sorts. It was around this time in the early 90s when he was riding a motorbike in a moment of romance or Tian Ruo Youqing, where he was tragically in love with the beautiful Jacqueline Wu. He was one of four heavenly kings or Si Da Tian Wang of the Canto Pop era alongside Jackie Cheung, Leon Lai as well as Aaron Kwok. Andy Lau in particular was known as the actor of the group. Although he sang as well, you know, as actors of that generation often did, he was not known as the best singer. That title went to Jackie Cheong, the god of songs, who just held 11 sold-out shows in Singapore. But Andy Lau's songs like Ichi Zouko de Ruzi, Wang Qing Shui, Bing Yu, and so on were famous. So it's not a surprise that a girl from Gansu would spot a picture of him or an appearance of him on television and then maybe proceed to dream of him. Yang Lijun, who says she had never fangirled over a celebrity before Andy Lau, started neglecting her studies and distancing herself from her classmates and friends when she fell in love with him. She spent her days tracking Lau's appearances on television. She spent her days collecting photos of him and cassette tapes of his. Now, according to earlier reports, Yang's parents said they did try to counsel her away from this obsessive behaviour initially, but that this drove a huge wedge between them and Yang Lijun because she didn't understand she was a teenage girl, she was rebellious, and she became despondent when her parents would not support her. And her parents, feeling pain for their only child, changed course and decided to support her in her fangirl activities. After graduating junior high, Yang Lijun decided not to continue with her education. And at least from what we understand from news reports, she became financially dependent on her parents because she apparently never took a job. All she did was to harbor the dream of meeting Andy Lau in person one day, 
to tell him about her story, to tell him about her dream and the destiny they share. Now, meeting a celebrity in person might not seem like the most difficult thing to do, especially if you've only lived in cities like Singapore your whole life. But Andy Lau is based in Hong Kong, a bustling, cosmopolitan city. In contrast, China's economic reforms and open-door policy only began in 1978. So even in the 1990s, it was still a relatively young, still developing economy. And again, Gansu is not like big cities, Beijing or Shanghai. It is, as I mentioned, to this day, one of China's poorest provinces. Which is to say, it is not the kind of place that celebrities go to to hold fan meetings or concerts. It is also not exactly the kind of place people go to promote their movies. In order for Yang Lijuan to meet Andy Lau in person, the most likely situation would be for her to fly to Hong Kong, a financial strain given the cost of airfare and accommodation. And again, this was not the age of easy information where details about fan meetings and concerts were readily available on the internet. What Andy Lau had instead was the Andy World Club, Hua Zai Tian Di, an official fan club started in 1988 that is still active today, which has paid membership. They have several activities annually where members can get to meet Lau. For example, they can gather together to celebrate his birthday or they gather together to celebrate a group of fans' birthdays. And sometimes they show up together to support him at events like award ceremonies. Of course, Yang Lijun being all the way in Gansu didn't have any means of becoming a member of Andy World Club. What she knew was that she had to get herself to Hong Kong because Andy Lau was in Hong Kong. And so in 1997, when she was barely 20, she embarked on her first trip to Hong Kong with money her father borrowed from acquaintances, joining a tour group to the city for 9,900 yuan. Now to give you a little context, the GDP per capita of Gansu was 3,199 yuan in 1997, which means that this trip was an enormous expense for the family. In fact, three times more than the GDP per capita of Gansu in 1997. And perhaps because she quit school early, or maybe because she had been so taken care of in her life by her parents, or maybe because she didn't have a lot of a social life with other people her age, Yang Lijun approached this whole venture with a sort of naivety that doesn't seem befitting of someone who was already almost of age. She went to Hong Kong, but she had no idea where to find Andy Lau. And since she was on a tour with a tour group where the places you go are decided in advance, she had little freedom to maneuver her schedule. She apparently did manage to visit Andy World Club at least, but of course Andy Lau isn't just hanging out at his fan club randomly with nothing to do. So there was only a poster of him there. And so she returned home disappointed. Now several years later, in the beginning of 2004, Andy Lau actually travelled to Gansu to film the action drama A World Without Thieves. Yang Lijun stood every day on the roof of her house, just waiting to see him. Because she had sent him so many letters over the years, she thought, he knows where I stay, so maybe he'll come and visit. He didn't, of course. 
In October of the same year, Lau held a concert in Beijing. And in order to get enough money for their daughter to attend the gig, Yang Qingji borrowed another 5,000 yuan from friends and acquaintances and sent his daughter off to Beijing with good prime sitting to the concert, 11th row from the front. But again, concerts are not personal moments with celebrities. And what she wanted was a personal moment with Andy Lau for her to tell him how she feels. And at the concert, she didn't manage to get close to him. So once again, she was disappointed. The next year, in 2005, despite the debt that the family was already shouldering, Yang Qingji wanted another shot at fulfilling his daughter's dreams. At this point, he was a retired school teacher and the family was surviving on his pension, which paid out 1,900 yuan a month. All things considered, this was an average but livable amount for Gansu at the time. But it definitely was not enough for the family to fly Yang Lijuan out to Hong Kong again. So Yang Qingji made a drastic decision to sell their 40 square meter house for around 40,000 yuan. With this money, Yang Lijuan once again flew to Hong Kong with her father. This time, with the help of a taxi driver and some members of Andy World Club, they found the purported residence of Lao. According to Yang Qingji, they wandered around the apartment complex where Andy Lau supposedly stayed in and bumped into a couple who said that they are actually neighbours of Andy Lau. Upon realising that the Yangs had not previously arranged a meeting with Lau, this couple, very understandably, refused to bring the pair to his residence. So Yang Qingji pleaded with them, over and over again to at least pass Yang Lijuan's letter to Andy Lau, which they agreed to. But of course, nothing came of the letter. The turning point to all of this came in March 2006, when a news report about the Yang family appeared for the first time in Lanzhou Morning Post, or Lanzhou Chenbao. Supposedly, the family had approached the media in hopes that raising awareness of their daughter's wish would somehow spur Andy Lau to agree to meet her. Now, at this point, Yang Lijuan was already 28 years old, which means she had spent 12 years pining for Andy Lau. Many of the details I shared earlier are from this particular news report, which I have to say had no qualms in playing up the story. The first line of the story was a quote from Yang Lijun. It read, If I don't get to meet Andy Lau, I will never marry. Now, this was something Yang reportedly told her parents and the media. And the piece also ran along with subheads that read, Her 12-year-long crazy obsession led to thoughts of ending her life. Or they bankrupted their family for her idol dream. And this story also ended with a quote from Yang Qingji. In it, he says, This means, please save our child. She's 28 and she has put her entire youth into this one dream. Her life's greatest wish is to meet Andy Lau and get his signature. The story went viral in China because 
Of course, how could it not? If this story appeared in the Straits Times today, you would read it too. The headline is, Woman bankrupts her family over 12 years of an idol obsession. It is a juicy headline. It is the kind of story people love to point and laugh at, the kind of story people love to pick apart and judge. Now, if it's not already clear, there is some level of mental health struggles in this family. But instead of protecting this family, which is already in the throes of suffering, the paper decided to fan the flames. Three days later, they ran a follow-up story that had an even more sensational quote from Yang Qingji, who was planning to send his daughter to Andy World Club in Hong Kong once more. Now, since he had borrowed money from so many people, he was running out of options. And he said, and this is a real quote, if I can't get enough money, I will sell my kidney. Now, Yang Qingji, as far as I know, never sold his kidney because it is illegal to sell your organs. But to this day, if you search Yang Lijun's name, you'll still get a ton of results about the girl who forced her father to sell his kidney so she could meet her idol. This is inaccurate. This is fake news because she definitely did not force him to sell his kidney. She was actually against it and he never actually sold his kidney. But this sort of narrative is the most incendiary, the most clickbaity narrative. And so it still exists on the internet. Despite it being very, very clear that the young family's actions were very unhealthy, Lanzhou Morning Post teamed up with other media outlets, including CCTV 12, to help Yang Lijun fulfill her wish. CCTV 12 actually went to her hometown of Lanzhou to do a feature on her. They knowingly broadcasted the life of this deeply troubled family on national television. And they encouraged them to expose their own lives by convincing them that it would help Yang Lijun meet Andy Lau. This is one of the news clips of the Yang family in 2006. And this sort of exploitative coverage that you just heard was not all. The media came together to help Yang Qingji craft a petition. An actual petition. The kind of things advocacy groups do to policymakers for issues of actual national importance. And then they sent it out to Andy Lau together with the Youngs. It read, This roughly translates to, Dear Wazai, which is Andy Lau's nickname, please take time out of your busy schedule to meet our daughter once. Her greatest wish in this life is to meet you once. If she cannot do so, she will sacrifice her life. Only you can save her. It should go without saying that I don't think this is something any media outlet with a basic sense of ethics should do. The impulse to get clicks, the impulse to get eyeballs is very real. 
and I can definitely attest to that as a journalist. But what this family was doing was not healthy. It was wrong, and it was fairly obvious that they were in a very bad place emotionally, mentally, and financially. So make no mistake, these papers knew that this family that is already vulnerable would be raked over the coals by netizens when their story came out because they knew that they were unhealthy, but they didn't care. They wanted the clicks. Now, a few days of incessant media coverage later, Lau's team obviously took notice. And through his manager, Lau, very, very understandably and reasonably criticised this behaviour. He called her actions, and I quote, incorrect, abnormal, unhealthy, and unfilial. His management agency urged fans to be rational and advised them against spending reckless amounts of money on Lau and urged them to join the Andy World Club, which would give fans three chances a year to meet him. After Yang Lijun got this news, after she heard that her idol had caught her incorrect, abnormal, unhealthy and unfilial, she was devastated and she agreed that she would try to meet him through the fan club instead. Now, if things turned out better, our story would end there. But unfortunately, it did not, in part because the media was not done with her story. According to news reports, at one point, a Beijing media outlet promised to let Yang Lijun meet Andy Lau in Beijing in October 2006. They even flew their family out to Beijing for in-depth interviews, but apparently never delivered on their promise. They spent two months in Beijing without getting the personal meeting that they wanted with Andy Lau. And in that time, they were interviewed by the Beijing Morning Post in December 2006. Yang Lijun's mother said, Our daughter has been trying so hard for so many years. How can we bear to see her go through such torment? We just want to help her fulfill her wish. And her parents added, Her wish is our wish. Watai is like our family, like an older brother Junjun has not met in many years. We just want to meet our family. What's wrong with that? The family also insisted that they will not give up their dreams of meeting Andy Lau because they had simply put in too much time and effort and they were not willing to let it go to waste. And so, a few months later, in March 2007, the entire family went to Hong Kong once more with 11,000 yuan they borrowed, apparently from loan sharks. It was a fateful yet tragic trip of dreams coming true and lives shattering. The family arrived in Hong Kong on March 19, 2007. They only had enough money to stay in a motel for two days, so they wandered around the rest of the days and possibly slept on the streets to get by. At this point, Yang Li Jun was 29 and desperate. She visited Andy World Club twice in the trip and through the help of other members, managed to get herself into an event the club was hosting with Andy Lau present on March 25th. This was an event to celebrate members who were having their birthdays between January to March. And this was her big chance. At this event, fans could play games with Lau, they could meet him, they could take pictures with him. And Yang Li Jun thought, finally, this is my chance to get to meet him, 
to get to speak to him, to tell him how I feel and fulfill my lifelong dream of meeting Andy Lau. But if you've ever been to a fan meeting, you'll know. It is more intimate than a concert for sure, but it is still a large group of fans with one celebrity. According to Yang Lijun, only three lucky fans were picked to play games with Andy Lau. All she got was one photo. She told him, I come from China and I have liked you for a very long time and I like you very much. And he said, I know. They took the photo, the one and only very, very famous photo of her and Andy Lau that would be repeatedly used in media coverage henceforth. And when that photo was taken, Andy Lau moved on to take the next photo with the next fan, as idols usually do in fan meetings like that. This was not an uncommon thing for Andy Lau to do. He was not being rude. This is just how events like this go. But because their interaction lasted only around 10 seconds, that sorely disappointed Yang Lijun. She wanted a chance to talk to him properly, to tell him how she feels about him, how she has dedicated her life to meeting him, to how she saw him in her dreams. And none of that came true in those 10 seconds. Seeing his daughter's disappointment once more, Yang Qingji's love for his only child took an extreme turn. That night, the family went to a 24-hour fast-food restaurant to rest since they had, well, no place to stay. But when Yang Lijuan and her mother woke up, Yang Qingji was missing. He was dead. After spending the night writing a 12-page long suicide note addressed to Andy Lau, he jumped into the sea. 对于最终酿成家庭惨剧，杨丽娟现在终于后悔了。我后悔，我后悔，我真的后悔了。不过杨丽娟仍然希望在与刘德华见面。爸爸的遗愿就是说，他虽然死了，华仔还要见，他要让
不忠不孝 ，which is harsher and also the exact phrase that Yang Qingji took offense at, because he thought that was a mean and unfair and unkind thing for him to say. That was on a par with asking his daughter to die. Near the end of the letter, he writes, "I can no longer watch my child suffer. I shall protest with death. When I'm dead, Andy Lau, you'll still have to meet our daughter, or I will never rest in peace. If you don't meet her, that would be against the natural order, and the gods will punish you. 天理不容 as he says." Yang Lijuan and her mother were hysterical with grief, but with her father's death, it pushed them further towards the extreme. Both of them, but particularly Yang Lijuan, demanded to meet Andy Lau because now it was no longer just her lifelong wish; it was what her father died for. In many of the news reports or video interviews that came out soon after Yang Qingji's death. It's very, very clear that both daughter and mother were not in the right state of mind. They kept insisting on meeting Lao because it was, in fact, Yang Qingji's last wish, and they were struggling to accept the fact that he had died. And I guess they wanted his death to mean something, and for it to mean something, they have to meet Andy Lao. Now, Andy Lao did not meet with them. Following her father's death, the media asked her questions that were. Obviously hurtful and quite invasive for her at the time, asking her if she feels like all her years of loving Andy Lau was worth it, asking her if she loves her father more or Andy Lau more. It was around this time that the incessant media attention began to feel more and more sinister to Yang Lijun, who started questioning reporters: "Do you actually want to help me, or do you just want to write a story about me?" Absolutely destroyed by the death of her father, and also completely out of money, Yang Lijuan and her mother returned to China without collecting the remains of Yang Qingji. This was widely criticized. Everybody thought that the two of them were heartless for leaving Yang Qingji behind in Hong Kong, and a flock of reporters actually followed the mother and daughter pair back home. They even set up a hotel room for the pair to stay in, so they could have unfettered access to keep on interviewing them, even in their grief. There were also many, many incendiary follow-up stories and reaction stories. Yang Lijuan was vilified as the unfilial girl who drove her father to poverty, insanity, death, and then didn't even bother to collect his body. Andy Lau was also traumatized by the incident. He interacted with a fan the way celebrities normally would, and then the next day, someone had killed himself and blamed him for it. People criticized the Yang family, of course, calling them crazy, calling them sick. People also criticized Andy Lau for being heartless. People also rightly, thankfully. Blame the media for enabling the Yang family in their pursuits for as long as they did, and there were also a lot of information from sources that didn't always seem reliable tumbling out.、Uh, there was one from a journalist about how Andy Lau helped to pay off their debts after Yang Qingji's death. There was also one from a purported family friend about the long-running mental health issues in the Yang family. Which included a rumor that Yang Qingji's younger brother killed their mother. There were also people jumping in on the news cycle for their own fifteen minutes of fame. 
a man in Beijing protesting Andy Lau's corners and saying he'll kill himself. And then some guy who said he will undergo plastic surgery to look like Andy Lau before marrying Yang Lijun. But eventually, as it always does, media interest waned. Yang Lijun did eventually return to Hong Kong with her mother. They did so on donations from a stranger to settle the affairs of her father and take his ashes home to Lanzhou. In the years since 2007, Yang Lijun has largely disappeared from public life, aside from several interviews and television appearances she did, where she looks much more calm and much more well-adjusted. She expresses remorse for her past actions, she mourns her father, in one instance, she is asked to counsel another fan who also similarly has an unhealthy obsession with Andy Lau. She basically became the epitome for the toxic celebrity fan. Now, she says she is done with Andy Lau. After what happened in 2007, she burns all the photos she has of him. She got rid of all her collection. Her last extensive interview that she did was with Chinese talk show host Lu Yu on her famed program, Lu Yu Yu Yue, a date with Lu Yu in 2019, although I believe the episode aired in 2020. Yang Lijun at the time was already 41. In the program, she showed the audiences her life. Still single, she lives in a cheap rental flat with her mother. Their life is very, very simple. She supports her mother with the small income she earns as a saleswoman in the supermarket. She doesn't watch any television and obviously doesn't chase any celebrities. She occasionally listens to the radio. She seems much better and much healthier emotionally. She also seems to get along well with her co-workers. And she has some amount of social activity. Her only recreation is an adults' choir group. She also revealed that after she brought home her father's ashes to Lanzhou, she scattered it into the Yellow River, the Huanghe. And she visits him with flowers whenever she misses him. When she thinks back to what happened, she says there were many, many misconceptions about her family drifting around at the time. Claims that her mother hit her father, claims that she hit her father, claims that Yang Lijun and her mother hit each other. When she feels deep down that they had a lot of love for one another as a family. In her interview with Lu Yu, she also admits that her fervor for trying to meet Andy Lau and the extreme methods that she undertook was indeed in part fueled by the media. Here's a clip of the interview. Now, as we're getting to the end of this episode, I'm not trying to excuse what Yang Lijun or her family did. I think it was wrong and it was unsettling and it was toxic and a sign of a very troubled mind and a level of dysfunction in her family as well. But I chose this story because 
it does highlight unhealthy fan obsession, the sort of parasocial delusion that leads fans to think they know a celebrity intimately, that they are their friends or their family. And Yang Lijun keeps talking about meeting Andy Lau, that she'll be satisfied once she meets him. But the fact of the matter is that she did meet him. She took a photo with him. And even before that, she had seen him before she had attended his concert. But it wasn't enough because of that parasocial attachment. The way the youngs speak about Andy Lau, they genuinely think he's a part of their family and that he should accommodate them the way family members do. And I think Yang Lijun truly believes that if she met him, he would be touched by her story. But in reality, the extremes that she went to to meet him probably just horrified him. To Yang Lijun, she knows Andy Lau intimately. But to Andy Lau, she's a stranger who persistently sent letters to him, who showed up at his residence without warning, who has threatened suicide because she didn't get to meet him, and feels really entitled to his time. And Yang Lijun's parents also clearly supported her to an unhealthy degree, in part because they feel that once she meets Andy Lau, she will move on with her life. And I understand, you know, this was a time when mental health struggles were very, very taboo, especially in China. An understanding of mental health amongst the public was rudimentary at best. So I understand why the parents didn't seem to try to seek therapy or treatment for their daughter. And I can definitely see their desperation, their hopes that she will move on with her life. Regardless, allowing their daughter to go as far as she did with her delusions is not good parenting. But as much as they have to be responsible for their own actions, so does the media. As I've said before, as a journalist, I completely understand the impulse to chase a juicy story, so to speak. To grab that headline, you know we'll get everybody talking. But journalists and their editors are also the ones who are the most aware of the power of news media. When you choose to cover something, you give it a platform, you give it eyeballs, you give it attention, and most importantly, you give it legitimacy. The media coverage helped to make the youngs feel important and justified in what they were doing and made their actions seem legitimate. It steamrolled their efforts and kept them going. And I think, and this is just my own conjecture, but I really do wonder if Yang Qingji never got media coverage. Would he have killed himself? Because I think he was actually acutely aware after a year of media attention that his death would be front-page news, that Andy Lau would be forced to confront what had happened to him. Journalists get pictures, and we get them all the time, from scammers trying to gain legitimacy for whatever grifts they are touting, you know, big, misleading health claims or too-good-to-be-true investment advice. And we have to ignore them, because as I said, you cannot give these people attention, you cannot platform them, you cannot allow them the air of legitimacy, of being seen as serious or credulous people. Now, the Young family weren't scammers, but they were very, very clearly mentally unwell. And it's important to note that these were not people in positions of power that the media was trying to expose or hold accountable. It's not as if they were Donald Trump, the US president, or Harvey Weinstein, a big-name movie producer. They are 
ordinary people, people who have not committed a crime. And most importantly, they are not media-savvy people. They do not have a team of PR people behind them, advising them on what to speak, what to say, or how they can come across when they say a certain thing in the press. A retired teacher, an unemployed 29-year-old woman, and a lifelong housewife in Gansu in 2006 simply do not understand what it means to go viral and they are ill-equipped to handle the scrutiny and attention that comes with that. But journalists and editors know. We know. And at some point, somebody should have drawn a line and said, look, we have to stop exploiting this family for clicks. They are not well. And they definitely should not have encouraged the Young's behaviour by petitioning Andy Lau and rallying even more media around to gawk at this family. Of course, we cannot know what would have happened if Lancho Morning Post chose not to write about the Youngs in March of 2006. It is possible that given how desperate the family was and how much money they had spent, Yang Qingqi might still have been driven to the edge. But I know that if there wasn't intense media coverage about the family, then at least the public and the media would not have played a part in encouraging this tragedy. I'm not sure what Yang Lijuan and her mother are up to nowadays. I don't want to know, and I hope no one ever goes and finds out. Yang Qingji is dead. He will never return to life. This family has suffered and been through enough, and they should be allowed to live their life in peace without ever being bothered by the press again. On that note, we have come to the end of Can I Tell You Something Crazy about the Andy Lau obsession that drove a man to death. If you've made it this far, I just want to say that this is a project I'm very passionate about. I don't normally ask for comments, but I put in a lot of effort for these episodes and I would really appreciate any encouragement and constructive feedback that you have. Do send any ideas or thoughts to me at genly at sph.com.sg or podcast at sph.com.sg or you can slide into my DMs at genlywrites. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Jen Lee, and thank you for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.